0: That's me on the podcast, sharing a song with something to say about
1: it, with Thin Lear and Liagra
0: Moon,
1: Listen in my opinion.
2: Thin Lear, my friend, how the heck are you today? I'm okay. We were just talking about how we don't know how to start this episode. But I feel like because you came in now with such confidence that such confidence. you have something really great and spicy. And I invite the listener oh, to hey, careful, careful, bated breath for whatever it is that we're about to start with. Here we go.
1: We were just talking about movies a little bit. <laughs> uh, we mentioned uh, both of us recently rewatched *Glengarry Glenn Ross. I'll tell you another classic I recently rewatched. Okay. And boy, was it wonderful. Uh, I'm sure you're a fan of the film uh, Dog Day Afternoon
2: oh god that's that's one of my favorites gonna get on a jet we're gonna go to Algeria oh I just love his voice in that movie it's all right. nobody goes to the bathroom it's so aggressive and soft at the same time (laughs) sale Wyoming's not a country I gotta keep them cool out here I gotta (laughs) keep these guys cool I got all these precious there's a scene in that movie where he's just like sweating his ass off and like looking around panicked. Yeah, that's the and whole you, movie. Right, the whole movie. But there's one scene in particular like near the end where he kind of like knows he's fucked and it's just a great piece of acting. He doesn't say anything, but you just see the hysteria in his face. It's Just, just fantastic. Oh, man. Gotta love his lines in Glenn Clare, Glenn Gary Glen Ross. I think he's got the best. <laughs> the best bits they saved for him.
1: He's such a lizard in that Glengarry Glen Ross movie. He's just such a, a machine. He is a
2: lizard, but there isn't something... Isn't there something, like, somewhat redeeming about his character when compared to, like, no. Ed Harris? Or, no, they're no? all losers. <laughs> he seems like he cares about the Jack Lemon character.
1: Mm, he's just using him to get tips on the job, and and I saw that. He's, he's duplicitous with everybody, and Jack Lemon he sees some value mm-hmm. he can get out of him, some experience, some, some wisdom, but, like... You know, the second there's trouble on on Lemon, you're on your own, pal. Sure. Just a bunch of fucking sharks in that scummy office. welcome
2: everyone to the David Mamet podcast. We're talking Mamet. Yeah, we're going to pivot from music. Enough with that shit. You know, enough with- done with music. How many songs can you really listen to? Before you just want to
1: talk about David Mamet and Al Pacino. Yeah. (laughs) Right. No. Yeah, you know, enough already. We are- Reluctantly, uh, music-centric podcast. Uh, this is, in fact, losing my opinion. I am perennial favorite uh, Indian musician Niagara Moon, a.k.a. Thomas.
2: I am perennial loser, Thin Lear, a.k.a. Matt Longo.
1: Coniferous loser. Uh, <laughs> deciduous. <laughs> this is a podcast where we both uh, we do segments. We, we come in with songs that we want to share with the other person. Have points we want to make, uh, and it's it's all about the art of the surprise. The other person has no idea what to expect.
2: No, no, no clue. Well, I mean, you come in with ideas. I lately, I've just kind of have been a spectator to my own <laughs> podcast by by choice. I mean, we've had some great guests. Lucky, yeah, we've got uh, you know Abigail and Jason, and of course Nate. Everybody loves a good <laughs> uh, problematic Nate episode. Lots
1: of good folks <laughs> on this show, yeah. But uh, it's just you and I today. Good old fashioned. Mm-hmm. Then Lear and Niagara Moon uh, standoff here.
2: Back to Basics Tour, which was an actual tour of, uh, I think, Limp Bizkit and Korn, oh. uh fairly recently. Well, look, we have a, a topic today that is going to be, I, I think, a little bit of a struggle for you. Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm going to try to like get you into something, mm. and I don't know how it's going to shake out because we know... Uh, through multiple tries here on my end, that you, it's not even a love hate relationship. You have a like hate ambivalent relationship with country music. Uh, is that true?
1: I like Sturgill's sense. And you said, wait,
2: wait, before you, before you answer, before you, and you can't, no, you can't look to <laughs> just some brand new innovator. You know, they're talking about the genre overall. It's not to say that you hate the concept of lyrics. Like, I know you like good lyrics, but it's just mm. not. It's ancillary to the music itself. You've you've gone through that with me before. You don't like the sameiness of the country yeah. feel in terms of the chord changes and the instrumentation, yep. and that's the impression that I that I get from you.
1: Yeah, I don't uh, I don't necessarily like a lot of music where it's really easy to predict the template. Mm-hmm. Like okay, part A, part B, part C. Put them together. Blues is like that. Sure hard rock, I don't know, anything that I feel like I can predict because I'm such a goddamn smarty pants, it uh, loses me a little bit. And the other thing with country music is you're really hinging a lot on the idea that you're going to find these people's stories interesting or have empathy or interest in the people that the songs are about. A lot of the times you're just like, eh,
2: I don't care. right? Not interesting. Uh, You might feel that way today but i think the the way so my way in is through the instrumentation mm. i'm going to try to change it up a little bit all right uh i think i found a way in these songs that we're going to hear today are from m- one of my favorite compilation series uh from one of my favorite reissue labels it's a label that comes up on this podcast like probably more than any other podcast exists like the attic like the attic oh, for real okay yeah yeah <laughs> keeps popping up. Um, The best was when I said, hey, this should be on Light in the Attic. And you're like, well, actually, it was. Oh, yeah.
1: Makoto Kubota. Who doesn't know about them over at Light in the Attic headquarters?
2: Light in the Attic HQ. Um, So this is called, and I've referred to it before, it's called Country Funk. Uh, There are three volumes. Three. Uh, Really, the first two volumes, and we're going to listen to all three today. Uh, Mm -hmm. Really, the first two volumes are where it's at for me. I think the sweet spot of kind of like these groovy, richly arranged country songs. And I think that this instrumentation, these arrangements, it's like a way to bring you into the country fold. I'm going to try to focus on songs you probably haven't heard from lesser known artists because there's like Dolly Parton and Willie Nelson on this compilation. I like a little Willie Nelson. Okay. All right. So we're, we're leaning in the right direction. Blue eyes crying in the rain amazing voice in, in bizarre timing like with his guitar playing and his singing it's just very difficult to cover it well he's a weird mix of influences he's got a soft touch yeah oh yeah yeah he just dances along the song has a heartache <laughs> that's beautiful um, i know so do you do you think this is maybe going to work
1: uh, I like funk, so you got me 50% already. This is looking a little more promising. We're probably talking about late 60s, early 70s. <clears throat> My sweet spot.
2: <laughs> S-C-H-W-E-E-T. All right, so the first song we're going to listen to is by a guy named Larry John Wilson. Uh, the song is called "A Hoopie River Bottomland. Um, you know how to spell that, right? So it's uh, O-H-O-O-P-E-E, hoopie okay yep. great cover great cover Hoopie river bottomland by larry john wilson so larry john wilson was kind of like pretty unsung songwriter in his day i think those in the know really loved him but he for sure never got to mainstream status he's in the movie uh, heartworn highways which is uh one of the best music docs ever uh it's just all these like all these classic songwriters just, like, hanging out in different settings, playing, like, really beautiful but laid-back versions of their songs, like, kind of tossed off. Uh, he has a pretty memorable part in that movie. Um, he has a very distinct voice. It is unmistakably a country country voice, country approach. All right. If I had a voice like this, I think I'd get into audiobooks or less annoying podcasting. Hey. Uh, but I think... <laughs> a less annoying version of my podcasting persona i think you're gonna dig this song it's it's that weird amalgamation of styles but it still has country at the core it's basically my argument
1: all right a hoopy river Bottomland, larry john wilson 1975 yep from the album new beginnings okay okay
0: good start in south georgia there's a river called the old river and my people have been living down there making love and war and baby and liquor for about 285 90 years right on brother and in the meantime they've corrupted old to become uh the hoopie This low red land has turned to sand. I done stood about all I can. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. Papa, he said, good luck, son. Try to remember there's always one you can turn to. When you need Doesn't to. sound like country to me, but I like it. Mama, fix the boy some ham and whole <laughs> cakes and dry your eyes. Cause you knew one day he make his own way. Quick as a can, Lord, from the and rubber bottom land. Ooh, that beast. Farmhouse leaning and the barn is rotten, the back is bent. Chopping cotton, I'm making I'm baking. pine and cropping tobacco. Pour wild mule and no contract, just quit. Now. Yes, kicks
1: ass yeah it, sounds like soul music to me though i mean if you forget me, if
0: you ignore the lyrics <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's the country funk man can, there it is fun. that's that's the sweet spot yeah i mean yeah i like this kind of shit all day yeah for sure all right so you dig it so like the narrative is still there the changes sure. These are still country changes. It's still a country narrative. The overall aesthetic, the vibe of the vocals, but it's packaged in a very different way.
1: The vibe of the I don't know, the vibe of the vocals was way more leaning towards soul for me. I think
2: it sits in the it sits in another a region because he's still kind of talk singing. Yeah. They do that in funk too though. Sure, but the, but it's but it's more um audiobooky. <laughs> like it's more <laughs> it's it's more talky, I think than then soul might typically get, yeah. How did, so this this sits well with you. You like kind of yeah, like where I, this is. Going. I could
1: listen to this kind of stuff all day. Yeah, it's not what I it's not what I think of when I think of the genre of country. But if you're telling me it's
2: country, then yeah, I can start to say I like country music or at least this kind. It's country that existed for a period of time. You know, it's when country was kind of like, all right, let's maybe branch out. Yeah, a little. Let's let's get let's get fun to be. And, it's, and it's this period. Yeah, let's 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 see what happens when we make arrangements more contemporary. Uh there was just more permission to do that within the genre at this period of time. And, you know, it's like a 10-year period or whatever and uh it's interesting because after this period or whatever when you get further into the 80s then it kind of goes like back on lockdown again. It goes to shit. <laughs> that might be one way of putting it, but uh all right, I'm going to I'm gonna introduce another tune now. This next song is called "Northeast Texas Women." It's very specific. This might be my favorite, very specific regional thing. <laughs> it's a guy named Willis Allen Ramsey. Northeast Texas Women. Some '72. Willis Allen Ramsey. He's an interesting case because, like, this guy's written a lot of songs for other people over the years. Some hits for Waylon Jennings, Love Lovett, like other people in the country world. And but his own stuff is great. He just has one album, Wow. like it's one beloved album under his own name, just Willis Allen Ramsey. And he's been working on his sophomore release since then. So this came out in 72. So he's been crafting this for a while. Uh, but apparently he's still working on the sophomore record and um, you know potentially it could come out soon. This song is a, a whole lot of fun, really well-written tune. And it's recorded in this perfect way, kind of similar to the last one where it sounds both tossed off but also like incredibly in the pocket so uh again it sits in that kind of nether region of country and funk and lives in those two worlds uh this whole record is actually pretty solid if if anyone wants to check it out but this song is probably my favorite on on the on the whole
1: album well that's alan Ramsey.
2: Great count-in, too. One of the best count-ins I think I've ever heard on a song.
1: I do like a good count-in. Who doesn't, right? Wait, is it even better than Van
2: Morrison going, oh, it's got a choke thing going, you know? No, it's not better than that, okay. but it's it's pretty good. It's All hard it's to top Near that. the top, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, you can eclipse it,
1: you know. All right, Northeast Texas women. One, two, three,
0: four, five, two. <laughs>
1: This is, as Matt would say, ramshackle. South of
0: Oklahoma, <laughs> eastern New Mexico. Well, that's Louisiana, where all them cages go. They got a little bit of Texas, where the women grow on trees. tree. They're right there for the chicken, just as easy as the please. Got a
1: lisp like Isaac Brock. <laughs>
0: You're gonna get young before you get old a Texas women is Texas gold
1: Sounds like a song the band would do uh,
0: Sure, sure!
1: I'm, I'm, I'm all in Yeah, I got the bass again. That's
2: all I need He just kind of sound like Levi
0: You can find your cinderella.
1: Yeah, I like this kind of country. No contest. This is my shit.
0: Because
2: go, <laughs> it's got it's got the country vibe to it. It's not like you could easily take it out of the country category
0: though. You wanna get a girl.
2: yeah this wins it's got the you know it's got the fiddle you know it's got the it's got the vibe yeah that groove is something love that song
1: did you think this was going to be so easy
2: no this is great this is like the easiest argument i've ever had had to do this is uh, like you
1: were trying to spread butter and you're like, oh, if I leave it out for 15 hours, is it going to be soft enough? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: it, w- it will be. It's, it's right. a no-brainer.
2: No well, now I feel like I should maybe just stop, but I have another. Just just revel uh,
1: in it, just sit in it.
2: Yeah, I'm kind of scared to ruin this, but uh, this actually, this next song, this strategy might fail. And it was making me think of a podcast that I think, Maybe every podcaster is somewhat influenced by his analyze fish. You remember when Harris Whittles tried to play RIP Fish t- doing covers, definitely R.I.P. Fish doing covers to get Scott Aukerman into the band. And it totally backfired because he hated <laughs> he hated all the covers. He was like, This just makes me want to listen to the original. What covers did they do again? I'm blanking. Uh like the Rolling Stones, oh, like Love yeah, and yeah, Cup yeah, and yeah, the yeah, Talking yeah. Heads. And he was just like, Oof. This is terrible. Uh, and then the Fish fans came after him. But anyway. So this strategy might fail. It's making me think of that. It's a Beatles cover, so okay. uh, it's tall order. Covering a Beatles song is like covering the
1: jazz standard, though. I mean, they're, it's hard to. It's totally just part of the great international songbook.
2: Well, hey man, last week we just listened to the Daft Punk Bg's version of <laughs> "She's Leaving Home," so you could fuck it up, and I liked it a little more than you did. You did, yeah, you did. Um, but anyway, this this song makes me hear the original in a new light it's don't let me down okay uh by dillard and clark which sounds like a um like a tgi fridays offshoot or something like dillard and clark's but this band is compr duo is comprised of x birds member gene clark who's incredible and whose album no other will 100 percent cover on this podcast because that is a brilliant record uh, and he's joined by country rock banjo player doug dillard and uh yeah these dudes just make great music. They have a, a handful of great records. And this cover is one of their more popular hmm. songs because it just finds that sweet spot that I, I think we've been finding in the previous songs, but they do it with with the Beatles and with a song that, like, I just never would have imagined that it would thrive in this way. But I guess, like, you know, the Beatles, they were doing the Let It Be thing, which was in part inspired by, like, the band and, I think um it makes sense. You know, this is a, a type of songwriting that I think uh maybe mines those same mm. depths. So, uh I love this. I love this song. It's not better than the original, it doesn't eclipse it for me, but it it's it's a different it's a different take on it. It works all its own and it's yeah. It's great.
1: And the Birds, they kind of made that turn into country at some point in the 60s, right? They
2: sure did Yes, yeah, Sweetheart of the Rodeo is like, you know, generally regarded as one of the first like country rock kind of amalgamations and Grant Parsons had a big hand in that. But so did Gene Clark. I mean, before he left, I mean, he was taking them in that direction before Sweetheart of the Rodeo anyway. And then after that, you know, they had a handful of records that were uh, kind of in that realm. But that particular record is like, you know, that's that's the big like country rock. Um, uh, what's the word? tabula rosa or whatever you know like it's the rosetta stone foundation rosetta stone yeah all right
1: dillard and clark don't let me down let's do it i mean i i have a feeling
2: how, how am i not going to like this it's just it, yeah it's it's not hard to enjoy this cover version it's you uh never, you never know maybe you won't but it's just yeah my wife actually prefers this version compared to the beatles one uh. um, i think she does I prefer the
1: version on YouTube where they sing in your mom I've never seen that I already talked about that when we had uh, Tom on but. Oh, interesting I was
2: blanked out for that I was dissociating probably Nobody ever
0: loved me like she did. Oh, interesting Ooh, she does me She does me good And if somebody ever Really love me Then she done me She done me good Don't let me down
1: oh Yeah, they're putting their own spin on it.
0: Don't let me down
2: Yeah, come on, this Don't goes down smooth. Yeah, it says smooth. That's exactly the word for it. It's like sadder and sweeter than the original, which is like desperate. Yeah, it's less uh, boisterous. <laughs> yeah, it's more kind of thoughtful.
1: Ooh, there, milking that B section.
0: every every last
1: drop out of it. I love Gene Clark's voice. Yeah, this is pretty good.
2: is fucks up there. Just leave
1: it in. It's taken just the right amount of liberties.
0: <laughs>
1: that pedal
2: steel is just
0: excellent.
2: You ever get pedal steel
1: on any of your tracks?
2: Yes. Yes. Lyra. Yeah. Yeah. On the album I have not yet released, I have pedal steel. Ooh. I want to yeah. hear. It's just yeah, just a smooth, excellent version of that song you didn't let me down can i play one more yes i'll I'll listen to these
1: all day forget my segment
2: (laughs) i gotta play this one so i would argue that everything up to this point even though you have your doubts i think sits at the very least with country as its primary genre even if there are multiple genres involved this next song i I don't know because it sort of skirts Mm. that country line into like Just something else. I don't even know what you would call it. Hmm. Um, You know, like maybe where the band sits, like kind of like Roots Rock or something. I I, I don't know. I have no idea how to describe this song. It's its own thing. But it's on this compilation. So the dudes from Light in the Attic thought that it (laughs) fit into the country world. Uh, Probably one of my favorite songs on the compilation. Brilliant arrangement. It's a song by Otis Blackwell, who's a real unsung hero of American songwriting. He wrote Fever. He wrote Don't Be Cruel which is the cover we're listening to. He wrote Great Balls of Fire, All Shook Up, Return to Sender, all these Elvis oh hits, all these Sun okay. Records hits. The list goes on. You've never fucking heard of him, right? He probably uh, died he should... with like
1: $10 in the bank or something.
2: <laughs> well, no, no, no. I, I know he's, he, he, I, 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 I'm not sure he's still alive. Maybe he's still alive. But he was he's, he was um, uh, still like uh, touring sometimes and, oh, and writing right. for people sometimes. Uh, he should be on the Mount Rushmore of early rock and roll songwriting. The fact that he's not a household name is like really a, a tragedy. But his song, Don't Be Cruel, was covered by Elvis, was a huge hit. And then here, covered by Billy Swan. So Billy Swan, Don't Be Cruel, this is the cover we're going to listen to. Billy Swan is one of those country songwriters who, I don't even know if I'd call him country, just sits in that middle ground of like country and a few other genres. Uh, he had a big hit with a song called I Can Help in the mid-70s, which is an amazing song. I don't know how he feels about it. Um, I've I've heard maybe that he doesn't uh like love it because it's mm. you know he's so attached to it but uh it's a brilliant song and he has a string of great records from, from the seventies um, and I've also heard from people who know him in the Memphis area that he's just like a really special dude mm. like those that know him love him uh, Matt Ross the producer I I recorded a record with recently um, just goes on and on about him. Just what an amazing artist and person he is, and I love his voice and style. This version of the song is just like sultry, Ooh. you know. It's it's just it's a different kind of thing. I love this arrangement. I love the vocals. I love the slapback. I think you're gonna, I think you're gonna maybe dig it. I'm
1: always down for slapback.
2: Who doesn't love the slapback? Yeah.
1: All right, Billy Swan. Don't be cruel. Again, we're right in the the zone here. Nineteen seventy four. <laughs> Yeah, got that chunk.
0: You know I can am sitting home all alone
1: Apparently this was in the show if Euphoria.
0: You oh, interesting. Around.
2: Still not going to watch it. <laughs> I don't think it's made for us. Nope. At
0: least on the telephone Heart that's true. Baby, if I, made
2: you mad. I like the confidence he has Was in the arrangement, you know. The song speaks for itself. The vocals are like almost peaking. Yeah, he's just letting the song unfurl. Keys, let's
0: forget the past.
2: You've outdone yourself this week, Thin I must say. I'm happy with how this went. Yeah. You're four for four. Otis Blackwell did pass away, actually, in 2002. Oh. But but it, seems, it sounds like he was doing all right. See,
1: normally you come on here and you tell me about music, and even if I say I like it, you know, I enjoy it as it's playing, sometimes it's kind of in one ear, out the other, like, oh, yeah, that was nice, moving on, like, all four of these songs I'm going to be listening to later and maybe, you know, the the whole album that they came from. This is... uh,
2: Fantastic. Fantastic. Country Funk compilation, volumes one and two, volume three, uh, not as into, but I think it's because it starts to get into those areas of time that... The synthesizers um, come out. Or just sort of less. Little gated
1: reverb on the old snare drum Good.
2: (laughs) It's a little bit less. A little bit less of, you know, I feel like... (laughs) Yes. I mean, I I feel like the... for, For the Country Funk amalgamation, I feel like it just has to sound tossed off and organic and ramshackle or it's sort of just that it's not those things, it's not that blend and I think when it gets a little bit more synthetic even a hair, it just doesn't work for me in the same
1: way mm. What about when the
2: Bee Gees cover it? Oh, then it's amazing Yeah, when they bring in the robot voices uh, I hope we weren't too harsh on them because I love the Bee Gees I really do uh, but that record is just is crazy <laughs> Crazy. Oh, well, so what have you been listening to this week, Thomas? Listen,
1: my opinion.
2: Oh, man. I
1: feel bad. I'm just going to start there. I feel badly. Uh, Would you bring in some bullshit? Oh, man. Uh, You you came in this week. You gave me four beautiful songs, gave me a new appreciation of a, a genre I was struggling to understand. I tried really hard. You know, I'm looking forward to all this, these wonderful listening sessions I'm going to have with these artists that I'd never heard of before. Matthew, my theme for this week is I was on the search for the most annoying song of all time.
2: Oh, wow.
1: The most annoying pop song of all time. We're looking for those
2: views. We're looking for the views this week. (laughs) We're looking for the headline and the views. The the country funk is very much going to be ancillary.
1: The most annoying pop song of all time. And uh, that that's our journey today. We're
2: going to make a descent into hell. Jeez, that's a tough... Uh, that's a t- I mean, there's just so many. Can there's you- so
1: many, but like... It became clear to me how to narrow it down more finely. Uh, I don't know, just off the cuff, what are you thinking here?
2: <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, there's there's kind of like a whole element of pop where it's like... I mean, it's almost like in order for certain songs to be successful, they have to be annoying as hell. Because like not every huge hit is a well-written song. Not every memorable melody is a well-written melody. Like sometimes a melody that's catchy is not necessarily well-written in the sense that it's enjoyable to listen to. It's just there, it gets stuck on your cranium, like Shape of You or something. Uh, I really don't like that song.
1: Yeah, that's not a good one, but... I don't know. Ed Sheeran doesn't annoy me. Like, he, he, a big thing of it is, yes, there's, we're both grouches and snobs when it comes to pop music. There's a million different popular yeah. artists. You and I are both going to say we don't like it all. But I've, I've built up such a shield over the years that really I can let most of that stuff just roll off, off the top. I, it doesn't get under my skin. Um, or I, I can, you know, understand why it's there, why it's popular. You know, you name it, X you know huge artist out there like i i can sit with it okay but then there just sometimes it just goes a step too far
2: so we th- we think about songs where you can't even understand why it is popular or that's oh no i
1: mean people don't have good taste i know all, why all these songs <laughs> are huge hits but it's it's where i can't reconcile my coexistence with it it just it's it's a step too far it's too obnoxious oh man it's it's too blatant it's
2: too it's like uh- it's like a <laughs> It's like a, uh what's that guy? Uh it's like a Lovecraft concept where it's like a song <laughs> that will drive you into the furthest reaches of madness.
1: What we're going to go ahead and do right now is uh go towards my my bronze medal pick. Okay. Uh coming in at number 3. Sure. The third most annoying pop song of all time. Uh the band is Train. Oh shit. The year okay, is all right. 2009. All right, all
2: right. Yeah, yeah, I I get where you're coming from yeah
1: the song what's it called hey soul sister hey soul sister from uh from 2009 from the album save me san francisco uh the song was number one in 16 countries wow and uh let's listen a little bit of hey soul sister (sighs) as we get up the well as we go down as we descend further and further into hell here tell me if because this is all subjective obviously tell me if you hear some commonalities with my picks if you you know agree or you you feel differently give give me you know your, okay. your unabashed uh reactions here
2: I already off the top I mean I I know why you included the song but <laughs> uh I feel like there are definitely more annoying yeah. songs than this one probably more than the two that you've picked Oh uh,
1: Oh okay well this is only the bronze medal this is this is just okay. the uh the, the first level here.
2: Well I'm excited to dig in. Are you? <laughs> actually no, I'm not excited to dig in. I know this song there's no reason for me to be like waiting to hear what it sounds like. I know I very much
1: have they stopped playing it uh on the radio? You know, you're not working at the deli anymore. Like when was the last time you heard this? That's a good point.
2: The last time I heard it was actually that that uh that great YouTube channel, uh what makes this song stink? He does a great job of kind of analyzing these tunes.
1: It's a great ukulele song.
2: Hey, Shit, I need to turn my hey, volume down hey, a little bit. This is real loud. <laughs> hey, hey,
1: hey. Your Put you right back in... Uh, well, I guess you were still 40 years old when this came out. Yeah,
0: I was 45.
2: He did already rhyme you with you. So that's a problem. <laughs> uh, his hair... What it's full and luscious
0: he
1: looks like Rob Lowe's failed brother or something
2: (laughs) this is though an era in music where you could look like you were 45 and still have a hit song I don't think you could do that right now
0: ah that fucking falsetto
2: ah that chorus (laughs) <laughs> like I he says, radio, stereo. Oh, that way you move ain't fair, you
1: know. Hey, hey,
2: hey. Yeah, I mean, that, I, it's just, those, those chord changes are, you just hear them so often. I mean, before the song was made, after the song was made, it's like... If you're gonna use those changes, the lyrics have to be like bananas, interesting. Well, the lyrics do get a little bananas. I guess interesting, Then
1: <laughs> The way you can cut a rug, watching you's the only drug I need. So gangster, I'm so thug. You're the uh, only one I'm dreaming shit. of, you see.
2: I didn't even know that was the lyric in the song. That's All right. a problem. So. Okay, yeah, he's real up there in his range.
1: That, that's my bronze medal of uh, most annoying pop song. Um, okay. Big factors to consider here, ubiquity. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah. That's, that's not inherent in the music itself, but it's like, I'm sure there are songs so mind-numbingly terrible, but I don't know about them. I wasn't exposed to them time after time after time after time. I have to consider ubiquity uh, a big sure. part here. That plays a role, which isn't always necessarily up to the artist, you know?
2: Right, yeah. I mean, they can't control that they made 100 million dollars of this song. These poor guys. Uh Yeah, I know if you heard this like for a 2 month, 3 month span, you'd be like, ah, you know, how many songs are like that where it's just you, you don't dig it, you hear it for a couple months on the radio or whatever and it goes away. But this has just it stayed in public consciousness up to now, which is just like why?
1: Now it's it's much worse than drops of Jupiter, right?
2: Oh wow, that's a good. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah,
1: the soul sister. Like, what are we doing yeah, here? Yeah, the yeah, way yeah. you move ain't yeah. fair. You know, <laughs> who are you,
2: buddy? He's a guy in a V-neck <sighs> that is like looks like he's forty-five. He has a hit song? I and mean, you know, you got to give it to them. They kind of got in. I don't have to give anything. To they them. slid in under the, as the door was closing on old people making hit songs in the <laughs> Billboard Top Ten. Like he just kind of. Slid in and that's commendable.
1: The song was written by uh or song was co-written, I should say, with uh, Norwegian duo espionage. I feel like those Scandinavians always get in there to write the most insipid crap. Isn't that a trend? Like it's some guy in Sweden who like writes all the like top radio hits.
2: <sighs> yeah, the Swedish uh Swedish pop masterminds. You no, know, every so often you get one that's like, you know, incredible at what they do, but yeah, there's a lot of schlock.
1: Couple other things I found interesting here. Apparently, lyrically, uh, the singer Pat Monahan was imagining what Burning Man must be like. Not had experience going to Burning Man, but just imagining. Uh, he's heard of Burning Man somewhere <laughs> in Reno's Nevada's Reno, Nevada's desert. Uh, they uh-huh. do it every year. It's this whole city in the desert that gets built for a festival. They build a huge man out of wood. At the end of the festival, they burn it. With a human being inside? Uh, and He had an image uh, in his head of what it must be like, all these beautiful women dancing around the fire. It's a pretty big deal. Thousands and thousands of people go to it every year. People run around naked, and I guess it's a total crazy deal.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Um This is like the kind of stuff that you learn about songwriting in like, if you were to watch like TikTok masterclass <laughs> horseshit of like this is how like I'm an A&R uh, from Atlantic Records and like this is how you or like whatever some idiot influencer like that's the kind of inspiration. This is Bad Baby's creative process. They ask you. This is the kind of inspiration that they ask you to to uh, venture into, where it's like imagine this kind of experience and like you're, you're looking for this kind of demographic and like you want to have lyrics that are like not too specific but somewhat relatable in these way, like. Checking all the boxes and like songwriting by um, committee by focus group, like uh,
1: we. I mean, AI is going to be writing songs like this.
2: uh, You could very very easily.
1: Yeah. Oh man, they're probably already doing it. That's and they're AI generated like pop star faces. And bodies, like the, the whole thing you could just Ugh. leave to a computer at this point.
2: Oh, and by the way, for our future AI overlords, we love AI, just love everything about it. I think it's great for humanity. I've been
1: watching a lot of those AI presidents rank things videos. Okay. Do you know those? Like uh, it's it's AI, Joe Biden, and Barack Obama and Yeah, Trump, they, like, you've
2: used them quite a bit. Ranking video guys. games.
1: Yeah. yeah they're, those are a treat. Uh, <laughs> so, all right. Train gonna get worse it's gonna get a lot worse than train much much worse right okay now. you started off good that's
2: a that's a strong <laughs> entry we're we're going to my silver
1: medal here for most annoying pop song of all time great any any guess
2: <laughs> no idea this is seven million annoying no idea? pop songs
1: all right well we're, we're going to move over oh, now to, man. yeah, I put up a photo of a shirtless Adam Levine here with all his glorious Adam tattoos, because it's time for Moves Like
2: Jagger. Yeah, this song, yeah, yeah, you know what? This, this deserves to be in the conversation. It's, it, you can't say that something is like number one or number two or whatever, because it's just it, it's endless, but I will say, I didn't feel the same way about hey Soul Sister. Like This song, though, it, des- it deserves to be in the discussion. It's made its way to the table.
1: Along with Ubiquity, uh, yeah. we already touched on that component. Um, catchiness, obviously. Duh, in a way right?
2: that is like... Whether you e- want evil. it to or
1: not, is this going to be in your fucking head?
2: Yeah, yeah, evil catchy. Evil catchiness. It's also so funny because it's like, it moves like Jagger, right? And like you say whatever you want about the Stones, but like, they, I'm sure they've written songs that are not good and have whole records or periods that are... You know, not of the quality of when they were one of the best bands around, but I mean, damn, they <laughs> it's like you, you write a song like uh and use Jagger's name and then have it be like just there's like nothing to it. Like I'd be like I, I write a song about like Bowie or something and it's like there's just. It's, it's, there's no substance in it at all. It's, it almost makes it worse that you're well, name checking someone who does have good music.
1: They didn't name check the Rolling Stones and Exile on fucking Main Street. They name checked uh, Jagger's sense of vanity and self image. So I think that okay. the pre- it Sonically yeah, represents maybe, that pretty well.
2: You're right. Him sort of preening. Yeah.
1: Oh my God. I can't believe I'm even going to play. Shaking his little hips. I can't believe I'm even going to hit play on this one. But uh, we're, we're going to do Maroon 5 moves like Jagger featuring Aguilera Christine Aguilera from from Christina Aguilera's the song
2: I guess yeah, cuz of the show I guess uh you know Maroon 5 they didn't start out as the monsters that they became
1: this love
2: is taken
1: its right. toll on me Which they were mid like, yeah. right
2: I wouldn't like I'm not like listening to that record but they were a step or two below Coldplay <laughs> It me. was yeah it was fine yeah. you know like they're writing songs and they're trying to make hits and it's, it's there's there was nothing like Heinous about it. And then it after like he this. got his
1: sixth uh, chest tattoo, something went wonky.
2: Yeah, he used to he like they, they came back after that record and just like were just just pop monsters. All
1: right, so for my my silver medal of annoying pop song, we got "Moves Like Jagger." Here we go.
2: That's terrible. That fucking whistle. Is it a whistle? Is it a theremin? How how are we feeling about Mr. Levine? I mean, what do you? How do you think I feel about uh, Levine? I don't. I can't say I think about him often. Seeing him shirtless in this video is definitely not improving my image of him. This is like a lot worse than I remember it even being. I don't think because I've never listened on quality headphones. I never, I never sat down and, and listened that to this song on
0: headphones. had uh, Why am I doing
1: this to this is, us? This is rough
2: That bit, that melody,
1: god <laughs> damn. This just puts you right back in 2011? This was 2011. I feel like it was more recent than that. It just
2: hasn't gone away.
0: Uh, uh, yes
2: yeah. right,
0: I think that's it. it. I, I can't do it's anymore. Good.
2: Well, he looks like he's walking around at like maybe 4% body fat. So I think that means he is a great musician.
1: Trying to be Iggy Pop.
2: Yeah. Well. Uh, Good Lord. I'm not sure what to say about that other than it is one of the worst songs I've ever heard. So congratulations. Uh, that's, you, you, you got something.
1: All right. Well, before we get to the dreadful final pick here, Again, I posed a question. Can you think of any song more annoying than, I guess, that the bar's been moved to Moves Like Jagger? But is there any pop song that gets under your fucking skin more than Adam Levine's nonsense? Or any guesses as to what I'm going to pull out of my hat for number three here?
2: I have no idea. You know, like with the annoying pop songs, like I do, I'm so forgetful that I do, a, my brain does a pretty good job of editing this stuff out for me. Like I, I, every so often I'll get something stuck in my head or remember a song I don't like or, but very rarely do I like walk around with an earworm that is just like, I, I can't get rid of. And I think, uh, I do a pretty good job of, of editing it out for my, for myself. So I can't think of anything right now. Yeah, nothing.
1: So no. Guns N' Roses aren't, don't quite at this <laughs> oh, level shit. for
2: you. I, I'm not <laughs> okay, playing Guns right. N'
1: Roses. They're, they're, yeah, well, they're, they're in the yes, conversation,
2: they but they're not this level. There's a song called um Civil War that they have, where his oh vocals are just like piercing. Like like it's Axl Rose um him doing his thing on steroids. And I hear it all the time, that song, for whatever reason. And it's just not fun.
1: I'd go for an argument that Axl Rose is the most annoying vocalist of all time. Maybe that that's that's, that's territory yeah. we could explore on a on a later episode, but like I guess the the band is too solid slash kinda of has something there there's there's too much of a foundation for them oh, yeah, to yeah, no they're not get, they're yeah.
2: far far and away, not even close to yeah, like a, yeah, yeah. a terrible band or whatever. You know, like there, there's great musicianship there. Uh,
1: Axl Rose's shtick is is hard, yeah. But
2: yeah. Oh boy.
1: I'm I'm scared to to unleash this final pick on you. Maybe maybe you'll disagree. Maybe I'm I'm out on my own here. I have a very kind of visceral memory of encountering this song for the first time. But okay. for my my gold medal most annoying pop song of all time is James Blunt's "You're Beautiful." You know, uh, you like it, don't you? No, I don't like
2: <laughs> it. It's whatever. I don't. I don't. This song doesn't. Um, it doesn't get to me. In the way it gets to you. I could totally see how it could. I mean, I'm not like pretending that it's not, um, you know, what you are saying it is. There's also something about the character of James Blunt as a human being and what I know about him. He
1: seems more likable, yeah. He seems just like a fine dude. You
2: know, he's like a songwriter. He wrote a song that is like crazy ubiquitous and catchy and like not for me, certainly. Uh, And it seems like he's aware of sort of the, the... more negative reaction to it and is like uh, you know kind of an interesting funny guy so I think that's part of it too is like Adam Levine seems like he has no sense of humor Mm. (laughs) about any of this Uh, where he's like he knows that everything he did brought him to this place of fame and fortune and uh, yeah I don't get that sense from someone like James Blunt so it makes it a little easier to go down
1: yeah out of the three of these these folks James Blunt Definitely seems like the best hang. And he also, I guess, probably you can say this about Train, too, but he didn't, like, linger on forever. Like, he he got huge in the mid-2000s, and then, you know, unless you were a fan of him, he kind of disappeared.
2: Right, he didn't have, like, a six-pack the next year. <laughs> yeah. But
1: something about the sound of his voice, these lyrics, these chords, it's so i saw this song performed and like heard it for the first time i guess like i was right at the age where i was old enough to be staying up for saturday night live great and this song came on and i was just like
2: oh man this was your this saturday, saturday night live experience
1: <laughs> like that this is like popular music now like we're we're fucked yeah like i just gotta go into my alternative rock hole here because this is this is grim <laughs>
2: But the hey maybe I'm the old alternative rock hole.
1: Maybe I'm I'm too hard on this guy. Maybe you just something about this you like but just for my money
2: it's just whatever. Okay. It's just you a say it's cloying whatever. Love song. Let's, let's let
1: the the listener decide here. James Blunt's You're Beautiful. Mm.
0: Is brilliant.
1: How about these chords?
0: My life is brilliant. Ah oh, my
1: fucking voice.
0: My love is pure.
1: That's a great opening I line though.
0: An <laughs> the love accent is like 40% sure of it for me. She smiled at me on the subway. She was with another man. Not so yeah. <laughs> sleep on now. Cause I've got yeah. a plan You're beautiful You're beautiful You're beautiful It's true
1: This guy's more knowing than Axel Rose vocally I saw take, I'll take it back face <laughs> Maybe But
2: I don't He's wearing a lot of layers in this video That's good do. That's such a lyric cop out to me I don't know what to do. Oh, Thomas getting into the lyric game. Uh, I, sh- I shouldn't. This bothers you. Yeah.
1: My life has failed
2: <laughs> It's like. Uh, he's shirtless. We're 45 seconds in. He's. Yeah, he peeled it off. Uh. uh high notes. She could see from my it is uh, a. I forgot the vocal. I yeah, I did forget about this vocal. is <laughs> special.
1: Why do I hate the vocals so much? Damn, this falsetto is like
0: insanity. Here's one thing I'll say
2: about it. Uh, He is
0: really going for it.
2: You know, he's not... There's nothing like how fast or tepid. I, I wouldn't even call it earnest. I mean, he's like emoting the shit out of the song. In a way that yes, is like somewhat annoying, but he's 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 all in, you know. He's not messing about. Yeah, that's not a good bridge. The orchestration isn't
1: terrible. I guess you know what he gets silver medal. I'm swapping this with Moves Like oh, Jagger. Oh yeah, Moves Like Jagger is like this not even. Moves Like Jagger. Let's let's vote that as the number one at this <laughs> Competition.
0: point. Competition.
1: Yeah, and he wins on likability, too. Yeah, just that fu- the fucking vocals though. If you if you had James Blunt singing Moves Like Jagger, you'd have the ultimate monster, though. Maybe we can agree on that.
2: Oh, okay. That's interesting. Well, but still, it's it's Adam Levine, the man, that I think <sighs> yeah. takes Moves Like Jagger over the Because that song, if you listen to it without context, could be in first place. But I think coupled with its engineer, mm. it, you really start to get into a special category. And this song is just like, you know, it, it's just uh, it's not a song I like. I agree that it is annoying, but it's like I don't know. I feel like James Blunt has kind of redeemed himself, also, and it's just it's it's hard to disconnect that from the song itself.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm swapping them. Uh, listener, is "Moves Like Jagger" the most annoying pop song ever? If you got a more annoying one, uh, keep it to yourself because I've already talked <laughs> <it> myself <laughs> no, enough this week. But no, I I am curious what the people think. I I think I've I picked a good one, but. There, there could be an even more vicious contender out there. You did
2: a good job because I went into this. I would say out of the three, really, it's only that one that like is in the conversation for me. Uh, Hazel sister is really? like Hazel sister. That's it's like if there was like a top fifteen ranking, like it's like oh come on, it, it's hovering five. outside. It's, it's hovering outside that for me. I feel like there, th- like I had a visceral reaction when you told me you were about to play moves like Jagger, drag- <laughs> and then when it started and that fucking whistle and everything like that. Uh, it's a special, it takes a special song to get into the conversation. And, and yeah, I wonder if there's another one that you could think of that would, um, elicit the same response where it's sort of just no, no questions asked. Like, yeah, this is totally in the top.
1: Yeah. Cause a lot of them, cause around that era, late 2000s, early 2010s, you got so many, you got tonight's going to be a good night, but for some reason I'm like, I'm okay with that. <laughs> just like dumb <laughs> nightclub song. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, party
0: rockers in the
1: house tonight. Like I kind of yeah. admire.
2: Yeah, they do the, what the they do. The ability
1: of that song to, to pull off what they pulled off. It's, I don't want to hear it, but like, you know, I, I don't like Beyonce. I don't like Rihanna, Justin Bieber, any of them. But that somehow they all, they sit in a place that I can deal with. But fucking Maroon 5 and what they became, it's, it's something That's else special. to me. Yeah.
2: yeah, A lot of these pop artists make songs that are um, just annoying enough to stick around. But maybe not so annoying where it's like borderline offensively annoying.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, that's that sweet spot with those artists that you just mentioned.
1: There is a sweet spot, yeah. Not so yeah. sweet spot.
2: Yeah. Well,
1: hell, what, what do we learn today, Thin
2: Lear? Uh, I don't know if we learned that much. I think we found a, a good way of bringing you into the country fold, which I'm yes, we happy about. I think it could maybe kick down some doors. Maybe you start, you know, you'll, you'll show up uh, next week with a 10 gallon hat. Listening to Hank Williams. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Yeah, maybe. And uh, what did we learn from your segment? I don't know. It moves Like Jagger that I uh, wish you hadn't brought it up is really all I... Because <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's a rough one.
1: Yep. And uh, like you said, I learned uh, at least four different artists, four different songs I got to jump on. I was really digging mm-hmm. that segment. Nice uh, counterbalance to... Oh, the, yeah.
2: Perfect compliment. Oh,
1: the shite I brought in, but... <laughs>
2: Perfect compliment.
1: Well, listener out there, if you enjoyed this episode of Losing My Opinion, go ahead and subscribe so you never miss a future episode. Uh, leave a nice rating or review on your platform of choice. You also got the old social media there. Follow Losing My Opinion on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. Mm. And uh, you know, I, I I came in saying it was James Blunt. I'm changing it to uh, "Moves Like Jagger," Maroon Five now. I'm saying that's the most annoying pop song of all time. And I could be wrong now,
2: but I don't think so. What is that supposed to be?
1: I'll put slap back on it. Will that make it better?
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah, that sounds good. That works for me. Uh, So long, suckers. We will see you next week. Bye-bye.